Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Return and Rebuild as he shares what it looks like to be called to finish and finish well. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Amen. The name above all names is Jesus. Who are we here for? Tell them Jesus. Amen. Hey, welcome to Impact Church this morning. I hope you guys are excited to be here today in the house of the Lord this Palm Sunday. Let's get going. All right. Continuing in our sermon series that we've been in for uh, some time now, about three months, called Return and Rebuild. We've been going expositionally through the book of Ezra. And some great messages. And today, as we come into this Palm Sunday, and we know that that Jesus, although he had been doing his ministry on earth, this was his last week, so to speak, on earth, correct? As a man in the body. He's still here in spirit because he is omnipresent, all right? But in body, as as a man, this would be his last week. And he was going to start something here today as he entered into Jerusalem on a donkey that he would finish by the end of the week. And praise God, he finished and didn't quit, right? We've had that message there in the previous weeks. So Christ set the example. So our call our message today as we go through this passage in Ezra in chapter 6 that we're in is going to be entitled called to finish we are called to finish we just had a a great example of what it looks like to finish maybe if you didn't start so well just this past week how many of you watched maybe you don't care but how many of you watched the national championship game for college basketball this past Monday. Any of y'all watched that? Maybe you heard about it. We had Kansas playing UNC. Sorry, UNC fans, but uh, Kansas did not get off to a great start, right? They got down big, 16 points and 15 points at the half, and all hope should have been lost. Nobody has ever come back to win the championship game from that deficit, but Kansas did. Why? What happened? Something happened at halftime when they could look back and say, hey, things didn't go so well in the first half for us. If you watch that game, man, they, had, they were getting the ball inside and they had easy shots under the basket they were just missing. Have you ever felt like that in life that, man, you just felt like things just weren't going your way? You just felt like for your life, you just can't get the ball in the basket, Right? You ever felt like that? There's been times in my life where I felt like that. And I'm sure it's been in yours where it just seemed like everything was going wrong. Nothing could go right. Maybe some of it was because of our own choices, our own circumstances that we were in. Maybe because of the choices of others and the sin of others that they had put us in. Whatever the case, we all have seasons of life where we don't think things are going well. What do you do in those times? We've had those messages on not quit before. So now... This example for Kansas, something happened at halftime. Maybe it was a a motivational speech by a coach, a player, and and then a kind of a a call to, hey, yeah, we've, we've messed this up, but we know who we are. 
We are not the team that just played this first half, so we're going to go out the second half, and we're going to show who we are. We're going to play like Kansas. We're going to live out our life spiritually. If you put the message and application to us, we're going to go out and live our lives according to Christ, according to his word, and prove who we are in Christ. And that's the message that you and I can have. Things may have not gone so well in the first half for us, but there's a second half. If you're here today and you have breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you yet. And he is calling you and me to finish. We've got a great example in that because it's not how we start, it's how we finish. And that's the business God is in. He is in the business of finishing. He is in the business of taking things that, that didn't start well or don't look like they're going to, to go well. And when, when we as people surrender our hearts and lives to him, he is in the business of making championship comebacks in the hearts and lives of his people. Will you allow him to do that and start that comeback in you today? Will you allow him to finish what he started in your life? We talked about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey here today as we commemorate this Palm Sunday. And I want to think of, let us to think about that. Because they were all praising him. They were all laying down the palm, palm branches and, and shouting, Hosanna, you're the king, you're Lord. But some of the same people, get this, that were praising him this Sunday, by Friday they're yelling, crucify him. They didn't finish. You see, Jesus is going to finish, but the question is, will you and I finish with him? Where's your heart? The same people that praised him on Palm Sunday, some of them, were the same people that were yelling, crucify him on Friday. They started well, but they didn't finish. Guys, what's the message for us today? Will we finish with Christ? He's going to finish what he started. Will we surrender our hearts and lives and through his power, through his strength, through his spirit, finish with him? Because what we're going to see in this message today, that these Israelites got to finish what God had called them to start. And through his strength, they did it. And it wasn't by their power. It wasn't by their own strength. It wasn't by their might. It was by his spirit, says the Lord. So our call today is to finish. Will we finish with Jesus? Let me pray for us before we dive in God's word. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. The gift of your son, Lord, that you sent God in the flesh to this earth. Father, to live out a life as an example to us. And to others as to what it looks like to follow you. And then, Lord, to go through all the ridicule, all the torture, all the discouragement, all the false praise. And then have those same people who were the closest to him, even some that walked with him in his, in his circle, by the end of this week turn their back on him for a few pieces of silver. But Lord, he endured to the end, and he finished. So Lord, today the message for us here in this passage, as these Israelites finished the temple, Lord, is the call for us to finish, 
to finish in our heart, in our bodies, in our souls, your temple. Lord, what you've started, no matter what has come against us, no matter who has turned their back on us, it doesn't matter, Father. You are faithful. So, Lord, I pray that your people can hear your word today. And, Father, the hearts and lives would be moved, changed, restored, renewed, and that hope would be rekindled. And, Father, that strength and power and, and, and life would be given through your spirit, Lord, in your word. So, Father, I'm just going to ask if I can get out of the way and let your word and your spirit do what only you can do. And that's change and moves hearts. And, Lord, I'm going to praise you in advance for everything that you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go, guys. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and get in Ezra chapter 6. And just to give a kind of prelude, uh, in case some people haven't been here the past few weeks of where we're at, we know that these Israelites called back out of captivity in Babylon to rebuild a temple. And to more than that, to rebuild their lives according to God's Word, to, to build their faith and to strengthen their walk with the Lord were called out of Babylon after 70 years of captivity to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild this temple. And as soon as they got going, resistance was there. They were persecuted, ridiculed, come against, if you will. And as a result of that, they stepped back. They retreated and they stopped the work of the Lord. And so many times we get in that habit or we get in that rut where somebody comes again, things go wrong, and we just fall back. Man, and, and how easy that is for us to do that. And that's what happened with these Israelites. But then through the, through the word of the Lord, through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, they were called back to finish what God had, in their, had restored in their heart. So through his word, God called them back through his prophets and they began to work again. And as soon as they started work again, what happened? More resistance. Through our boy Tat and I, we called him Barney, remember? He'd come in there and just say, man, why y'all building the temple? Who gave y'all permission to be there, right? And tried to shut them down. But God made a way for them to continue through that while Darius was to search for the records from Cyrus to make sure everything was legit. And then we got the message last week of Darius's response, didn't we? And oh, what a response it was. Not what old Tatnai and his posse was expecting. Because he said, man, yeah, they're supposed to be there. Cyrus put the order. And not only are they supposed to be there, and not only are you not going to shut them down, you're going to help them, brother. You're going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. And matter of fact, you're not only going to pay for it, you're not only going to stay out of their way and not mess them up, you're going to help them. You're going to be there every day making sure they got everything they need. How about that? And if anybody comes against it, then I'm going to drag a big old beam out of the house and I'm going to impale them on it. How about that? And then their house will be like an outhouse, like a dung hill. Remember that? So it's not just once they're dead and gone, they don't care about their house. It's not talking about their physical house. It's talking about their family. Your family will even be in a mess if you come against the work of the Lord. That's a strong word, isn't it? God takes very seriously when people come against his work. And then the, the King Darius even called upon the hand of God, say, man, and may the God who dwells there, causes his name to dwell there, come against anybody who lays their hand against the work of the Lord. So that's where we are. That's where we finish to keep the context as we move in to verses 13 through 18 today. So they've just got this order, this decree from Darius with all those strong words in it. So let's pick up right where we left off. Ezra chapter 6, we're going to read verses 13 through 18. Then Tatnai, governor of the region beyond the river, Shethar Bosnai, 
and their companions diligently did according to what King Darius had sent. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, and according to the commandment of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the descendants of the captivity celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. And they offered sacrifices at the dedication of this house of God. 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They assigned the priests to their divisions and the Levites to their divisions over the service of God in Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. So we see that they finished as if there was ever a doubt, right? Everything we had seen was God working in their life, working on their behalf as they repented from their sin, from their shortcomings, adhered to God's word in obedience and walked in it. God was proving himself faithful on their behalf. Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord searched the whole earth to and fro to prove himself strong on behalf of the hearts that are loyal to him, that are blameless before him. Is your heart loyal to God? God wants to show up and prove himself strong on your behalf. And he's searching the whole world to look for the hearts that are faithful. Because I promise you, unfortunately, and it's so sad, there are very few hearts that are truly faithful to the Lord. There are many, 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 many people, millions of people in church today on Sunday across America, but there are only few hearts that are faithful to him. And God is searching for them. And he wants to prove himself strong on that behalf. So this message shows right off the bat in verse 13 that Tatnai and his boys, once they got the, the message, old Barney, and he heard the words of Darius that, hey man, you're going to help, and if you don't, it's not going to look too good for you. What did they do? Verse 13 says, they went about what? Diligently and did according to what King Darius sent. Boy, that's funny. I wonder why they did it diligently. <laughs> Guess they didn't want to be hung on a stake in front of their house, right? And have all these bad things happen to them. So the work was allowed to continue and was supported even by the people that started to come against it. That is a huge, huge message. God is faithful. We move right into verse 14 because we knew this, this word of the king would be followed. Now we get into, into this depth and, and heart of kind of what God is, is going to speak through this today because we see that it's finished and we see what happened here. So we read verse 14 again. We see it says, so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido. It says, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. So we see there's, there's some verbs in here. All right, we know they built, so it says they prospered, they built, and they finished. 
I want you to highlight those words. They prospered, they built, and they finished. Because that's going to be our word today on how we are to finish and what God wants to do in us the same as he did with them. So how did they prosper? What happened? It was through God's word. Do you see that? Through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. That's the Bible now, okay? This wasn't written for them to read them. It is for us now. So when you open your Bible and flip your pages from Ezra and you go, oh, there's Haggai. I wonder if those words were, yeah, those were the words that were spoken to them. Oh, after that is Zechariah. Or the, yeah, those are the same words too. So the Bible supports itself and, and we see God's word written down. That's how they prospered was through God's word. How many times have you and I felt alone and like things weren't going well? And, and, and so often when we reflect back and we look at those times, were we truly in God's word? Man, so many times where I, I wonder if through some of the, the, the hardest seasons in life, if, if I had been just more obedient and, and, and just searching God's word and just feeding off God's word, if, if things wouldn't have gone a lot better, or at least even if the circumstances did not change, my heart would have endured it better. How about you? Are you prospering in life right now? Not financially, not fiscally. That's not what this is talking about. I'm talking about are you prospering spiritually no matter what you're facing? These Israelites were facing ridicule, persecution, trying to be shut down, discouragement, everything we've learned about, frustration, but they prospered through it. How? Through the word of the Lord. Can somebody else get a message in that besides me today? How are we going to prosper in life through hardship, in a world, in a culture that wants to go an opposite direction and come against God? How are we going to prosper in that? Through his word. By being students of his word and listening to, to God and letting the spirit of God work through his word in us. Beautiful message. And we see it right here in these Israelites. They prospered through God's word, through these prophets to them. And we know that these prophets had sent this initial message because they had turned to themselves, right? They had turned away from God's work and they had started building their own house. You remember that? That part where they were, and, and Haggai was like, man, can you tell me why the temple's not being built, but y'all building your house? Oh, well, I, I don't know. How about us? Can you, can you tell me, Brad, can you tell me, Impact Church, can you tell me, fill in the blank of your name, why you're desperately, so feverishly working about your business and your things and your house and, and the things you got to get done and you're not serving me and working for me? Oh, we have no excuse, do we? We really don't. Are we eternally focused or not? And I know we're, as adults we have responsibilities and things to get done. That's not what I'm saying. But are we feverishly working about things for our own accord and our own gain without even thinking about serving Jesus and giving him any credit. The prophets called them back to this. And so even through this, I'm sure now they still had the same ridicule from some of these people behind the scenes. Probably very lightly, I'm sure, so they didn't get stuck on their beam at their house, right? But I'm sure they were still hearing it. We had that message in, in, earlier in Ezra where they were occurring resistance all the way through Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the walls around the city. So we know there was constant resistance. So the constant word of the Lord kept coming. This wasn't just a, a one-time message from Haggai and Zechariah. This was a continual, hey, they're with them. And they're speaking God's word over them. Hey, because not only if they weren't facing resistance, they were in a 
middle of a big project, weren't they? And I'm sure it was a lot of hard work. And I'm sure they were tired. And they needed encouragement from the Lord. Hey, keep going. God is with you. you. Do you see that? Do you get that message? How many times do we get tired? Do we get worn out? And it's easier to stop. And we need God's encouragement to keep going. That's what these people had. And then at the, here at the end of verse 14, we saw the mention of Artaxerxes. And we're like, and if y'all have been here, you realize that Artaxerxes was not the king at this time. It was Darius. Artaxerxes wouldn't come until years down the road during the time of Nehemiah when they were putting up the walls around the city. So why was Artaxerxes included in this? Well, Ezra writing this after the fact and things had happened was put this in there to show the completion of of everything that not only had God worked through Cyrus, not only had God worked through Darius, he was going to work through Artaxerxes to ensure this thing got finished. The idea of completion and God in it. So, in our three verbs that we highlighted, where they prospered under God's word, and then they built and they finished, here's some things for us to, to dig out and see through this passage, through God's word, how it applies to us. So we know they prospered under God's word. What does God's word do for us? If we're in sin, if we're out of line, what does it do? It convicts, right? Healthy conviction, not condemnation. You're a bad person. You're never going to amount to anything. You're worthless. God can't use you. That's from the enemy. That's not of Christ, okay? God's word brings healthy conviction like a loving father say, hey, you've messed up. Yes, there's some consequences for the sin, but I want you to come back under my arms and under my, under my wings and I want to put you on the path of restoration and righteousness. That's healthy conviction. So through God's word, they got convicted. Yeah, I am building my house. I don't have any excuse. I need to be doing what God called me to do. So they repented. So God's word brought conviction which led to repentance, all right, which then brought in God's mercy and grace. Isn't that beautiful? Because God's mercy is him not giving us something that we deserve because we messed it all up and all fall short of his glory. And then God's grace is him giving us something that we don't deserve because we've messed it up. So through God's word and healthy conviction, which leads to repentance, now they get mercy and grace of God. That is the same message for us, and that's how we will prosper spiritually in our life. When we adhere to God's word, repent, and then receive God's grace and mercy. So many people want God's grace and mercy without repentance. It doesn't work that way. It's preached all across the United States and in churches all over the world that you can get God's grace and mercy. That's who he is. That is who he is. But it's only available through the cross and through repentance. His grace is free. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to gain it. His grace is free, but it's not cheap. You can't have it and still be in unrepented sin. Repentance brings his beautiful grace and mercy upon our lives. It's what the Israelites experienced. It says they built. They built. How did they build? They needed God's provision Obviously, all the resources that he led these kings to, to write in decrees to bring to them and even made Tatnai and his group help them and bring them stuff. So that's God's provision, God's protection. How about that? He had to hold them off and make a way for them to keep building. So we need God's provision. We need God's protection. And then what else do we do to, to build? 
It's obedience. We have to do what God's called us to do. And that's not a legalistic type of obedience. That's being led by the Spirit obedience. Because of what Christ did for me, because of what Christ wants to do through me, now in obedience and because of his word and because of my new changed heart with the Spirit of God in me, I now want to walk in obedience so now I can build. Do you get that? I've got God's provision. I've got God's protection through his spirit. And now through God's spirit in me, I walk in obedience and I can build. It's a beautiful message. So they prospered under the word. They built and then they finished. They finished. Somebody say the word finish. Finish. I want you to think about that just for a minute. Whoever starts out on anything in life and doesn't plan to finish? You don't. But how many times, because life is hard and difficult and things aren't easy, especially living the Christian life, it's impossible apart from God, right? And his spirit in us. How many times do we get to the point where we don't feel like we're going to finish or it's going to be really hard to finish. So how did they finish? God's faithfulness and his promise and his power. And we've seen that through these messages. God's faithfulness to show up on their behalf. We just quoted 2 Chronicles 16.9. I don't have to say it again. And we know that God's going to prove himself faithful and strong on the behalf of those because he's all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He's in control. Man is not. And he's going to fulfill his promises. What God said is going to happen. You don't have to worry about if, ands, or but, or I wonder, or eh, eh. No. It's going to happen, church. It's going to happen in your life and in your family if we will surrender our hearts to him and live by his promises. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Matter of fact, it's going to be hard. You will endure persecution, so buckle up, soldier, all right? But God will finish what he started regardless. Will you let him finish? Will we finish with him? So we know these words from the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah came to them, helped them prosper, helped them build, helped them finish. What was some of that word? If you look in Zechariah chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, you get a word from the angel that came to the prophet Zechariah that he gave to them. And this is what this says in this passage. You may be familiar with verse 6. He said, and he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Oh, oh, does anybody else get fired up besides me? Maybe I'm just weird like that. Like, y'all's pastor's strange. Yeah, I am strange. Man, it's just stuff like that just fires me up. Man, this is God speaking, and he's speaking to them in a time where they were not at work. And he said, man, this, this temple is gonna be completed, but it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by human strength. It's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by leveraging your resources and who you know and all that stuff. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, can somebody else say amen? Man, that is beautiful. Whatever you're facing right now, if you will surrender your heart and life to God, whatever you're facing, because God knows what you're facing, he wants to prove himself strong on your behalf today. And he wants to say that how you overcome is not going to be in your own strength, in your own power. So stop trying harder. Start surrendering more because it's going to be by his spirit in your life that you're going to overcome. That's it. Whatever you're facing, 
Man, because verse 9 later in Zechariah 4 right there says, man, the hands of uh, his hands, meaning Zerubbabel's hands, laid the foundation and they shall also finish. That's God's faithfulness saying, hey, what I said is going to happen. And this is before it happened. This is prophesizing. Hey, it's going to happen and he's going to finish it. Mm. That message is for us today, church, as well. We just sang about that. We just sang about that. Said, so, man, Lord, when, when all I see is the battle, you see the victory. You remember that? We just sang it. Were you singing that to God or were you just mumbling words? Are we singing to God? Man, sing to God and let him move in your spirit. And then he said, man, when all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain moved. How many of you guys need a mountain moved in your life today? Hey, God wants to show up and do something that only he can do and only he can get the credit for. Will you let him do it? It's not going to be easy. It's not. It's going to be hard. He's going to show himself faithful. Messages for all of us who have a mountain or a giant setting in front of us today. God's going to show up if we'll let him. I love this whole message because what it's showing us is a renewed heart that's walking in obedience to God and his word restores hope. Hey, I don't know what went on at the halftime of the Kansas game. But somehow hope got restored and renewed in that locker room. Because it was different when they came out. What is God speaking and showing you today that's restoring and renewing hope? I promise you it'll be through his word. Maybe his word is moving you right now. That what you've experienced and the the defeat and and the shortcomings that you've had in the past don't have to be that way in the future. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy and God's just a genie in the bottle and makes all your problems go away. That's not it. But God wants to work on your behalf when we let him. Restored hope happens when our heart is renewed and walks in obedience to God and his word. It brings hope. And that's what we've seen in these Israelites right here. They started back still in the face of resistance. And hope was restored through God's word through Haggai and Zechariah. Beautiful message. I want to give two verses of scripture in Psalms and Proverbs here to kind of reiterate this message inside here. Proverbs 13 verse 12. You may have heard this verse before. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. No greater truth than that, is it? When hope is deferred, something you're looking forward to, something you're hoping for, something that you're expecting to happen, when it doesn't come, what does it do? It makes your heart sick. You're empty inside. What happens when that desire, when what you're looking forward to is fulfilled? It's like a tree of life inside your soul and your spirit. So now, here's the question. Have you ever had your hope deferred? You ever missed out and and expected something that didn't happen? Maybe through a relationship or or on a ball team or in a job or something like that. It just made you sick, man. It just tore you up. You ever been there? Yeah. Hope deferred makes you sick. So now I got a question for you. What's your hope in? I say, oh, come on, pastor. Don't be talking that crazy stuff. What's your hope in? I don't mean just give me the Sunday school answer, okay? My hope's in Jesus. I hope it is. Is it really in Jesus? I know everybody would check that box if we passed a piece of paper out. I know you would. But is your hope really in Jesus or is your hope 
really in something in the things of this world. Because I promise you, if your hope is in the things of this world, whatever it is, if your hope is in your kids, if your hope is in your husband, your wife, relationships, if your hope is in your job, if your hope is in your finances, if your hope is in ball, baseball, football, sports, athletics, whatever, if your hope is in anything in this world, you may experience a short moment of temporary pleasure at times, but ultimately you will always be let down. Your hope will always be deferred because it will fall short. So where's your hope really in? Where's your hope in? Is it truly in Christ? Because the Bible says, when that desire is fulfilled, it brings a tree of life. If our hope is in the things of this world, yeah, we might get something and feel really good for a moment, but it'll leave you empty at some point in life. You've experienced that. I don't have to talk about that any further. I know you have, because I have. But when our hope is truly in Christ, his promise is to never leave you or forsake you, to stick closer than a brother, and to walk with you through the valleys and the hardest times of life. So when our hope is in him, that desire will always be fulfilled. I hope I'm presenting God's word and and God's moving in your heart through this. Where's your hope? What's your hope in? Because if your hope is really in some of the things of this world, you're setting yourself up to make your heart sick. Don't hope in the things of this world. Enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. The things that are right and pleasing to God, enjoy them. But don't put your hope in them. Don't say, oh, if I, can, if I can just get that job, if I can just get that paycheck, if I can just get married, if I can just, what are you waiting on? Let's bring us into this other passage. Psalms 33, verses 20 through 21. Psalms chapter 33, verses 20 through 21. says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. So what are you waiting on? What is your hope in? The Bible says if our soul waits for the Lord, he's going to be our help. He's going to be our shield. We're going to find rejoicing in our heart. Why? Because we've trusted in him. Have you trusted in him? Is your hope in him? Things in this world will come up empty and leave you searching god wants to fulfill everything that he promised that he would be for you that he would be your help he would be your shield he would cause rejoicing in your heart even when the circumstances are not great so are you waiting on a check job promotion relationship graduation are you waiting for something that you think somebody owes you because you deserve it to come before you're happy if you are You're setting your heart up to be sick. Get rid of it and put your hope and trust in him. I love Isaiah 40, verse 31. You know it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. And then they'll what? Mount up with wings as eagles. And they'll what? Run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Oh, what does that mean? You're going to finish. That's what that means. If you wait upon the Lord, he's going to renew you. He's going to strengthen you. You're going to have wings as eagles. You're going to soar above all the junk. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. You will finish. Wait upon the Lord, not the things of the world. Verse 15 in our passage in Ezra in chapter 6 shows us that it took some time. It says in the 
sixth year of Darius, it was completed when this thing come to fruition. That's four years of work since they had stopped, right? Since they had started and stopped. Beautiful picture of, hey, this wasn't easy. This took some time. This took some effort. And that's the beautiful part is God invites you and I to be a part of what he's doing. Remember, this isn't their mission. This is God's mission. But he invited them to be a part of it. And it took effort. It took work. Yes, it took prayer, dedication, all that. But it also took some sweat. It also took grabbing the shovel, right? So many times we pray for God to move, pray for God to dig a hole. God, dig a hole. God, dig a hole. We wake up by a shovel. We're just like, God, dig a hole. God, dig a hole. I've got you a shovel, dummy. God, dig a hole. God, dig a hole. God, dig a hole. Shovel's right there. God, dig a hole. You get it? Sometimes God is going to move. He's going to invite you and I to work in it as he provides the strength and the power. Man, as Hebrews said, man, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. He invites you and I to be workers in it. We saw that all through the past weeks leading up to yesterday. That people worked feverishly stuffing eggs in their homes. People worked feverishly stuffing eggs here. And whether they could be a part of the Saturday event or not, it doesn't matter. They were taking part as workers in that harvest field out there when people raised their hands accepting Christ. And when Christ moved through that skit that heard so much about, that Jesus was glorified and magnified, and everybody left there knowing that Easter was not about a bunny or an egg, but it was about Jesus. And everybody took part in that. Even if you didn't stuff an egg, if you prayed over that, and, and you were a part of just praying over the weather, you take part as a worker in God's harvest field. That's the body of Christ coming together. And it was beautiful to see that yesterday. People sweating. Maybe not because it was cold, but I mean, you know, I'm saying figuratively sweating. Anyway, verse 16 through 18, the end of chapter 6, uh, the end of our passage today in chapter 6, talks about this celebration now. It's completed. It's done. And what did they do? They dedicated it to the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Think about that. How many times has something happened in your life, something that you cannot take credit for, you try but how much have you really turned around and given to the Lord? How about your talents, your gifts, your abilities? Some of you are athletic, and you have all kinds of honors and awards. Do you look forward to seeing your name in the paper and seeing your name on the trophy and all that kind of stuff? Or do you not really not care about that stuff, and you just want to glorify God with what he's gifted you to do? You see, that's the difference between dedication and self-glorification. How about even in music, in your talents of singing, playing, how about at work? Man, just the, the gifts God's given you to, to be a leader, to, to run a business, to, to, to work in a factory, to, to do whatever you do, whatever God's called you to do, to be in the medical field, whatever. Do you give God glory for that? Do you let God use it? Or do you say, look at me and my education. Look how smart I am. Look how many degrees I got. Man, what happens when we dedicate? It's an act of humility. Say, God, this isn't about me, by me, or for me. Has nothing to do with me. Has everything to do with you. This is all by you, for you, and through you anyway. Because I'm nothing without you. You and I can't even control our next breath, can we? So how can we take credit for anything we do? You don't even control your next heartbeat. God does. How dare we take credit for what he's doing through us? Man, so they turned and they dedicated this temple back. This word, this Hebrew word, chinookah, would eventually become the word Hanukkah that you're probably familiar with. 
this festival for the uh, dedication, the reconsecration of the temple that would happen hundreds of years later in 165 BC. It stands for this dedication, all right? And we know even in the first temple that Solomon built, there was this dedication and celebration. Of course, Solomon, richest man there ever was, and the, the riches of Israel at the time, they had 140, over 140,000 animals there that they gave up in sacrifice and dedication. This one, if you count the numbers, is about 712, right? So not as much. Does that mean this wasn't as big of a deal to God? No. No. Think about this. With the extra riches that Solomon had and stuff, that 140,000 was probably expected from the Lord. God knowing these people here coming out of captivity had only what he provided, 712 was probably a stretch and dug deep into what they owned and was a sacrifice for them to present. So it was just as pleasing to God as the 140,000 in Solomon's temple. Do you get that? So how much and do we sacrifice to God? And what does it mean to the Lord? We see these 12 sacrifices of goats for the 12 tribes showed that Israel's regathering and unity that was taking place. It's a beautiful thing. So how much do we sacrifice when something that we've accomplished is done? Men, I, I know we do this. You cut the lawn, what do you do? Sit back with a glass of sweet tea. If you're from the South, I don't know if, you're, if y'all don't drink sweet tea, don't tell me, right? Unsweet tea is only good for one thing. That's like dumping out. Anyway. So you sit back with your glass of sweet tea and you look at the lawn you just cut and you're like, ah, man, that's a masterpiece. And I don't know why we do that because it's going to rain four times over the next seven days. We're going to have to cut it again next week, right? But we sit back and we, and we, and we kind of awe at what we just did. How about when you, when you build something and you look back when it's done and you're like, man, that's, that's tight. I like that. Or when you wash your ride, right, and you shine it all up and you step back and you just watch it shine in the sun for, for five minutes till it rains again on it, right? So... We do that, and, and that's okay for those superficial and, and temporary things, but how many times do we do that spiritually? We, we've accomplished something in our life and something's happened that we cannot take any credit for, and we act like it, we, it belongs to us and we own it, and we just marvel at it, and we don't dedicate it and think of God that made it happen. These people come and sacrificed animals, lambs, the shedding of blood. Why? Why was that necessary? Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's not forgiveness of sin. That's why. We're going to have that message next week. Believe it or not, God has an Easter message in Ezra for us next week. Only God can do that. Because we're going to talk about, as they looked at the Passover, and we're going to link to the blood of the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb at the cross. Man, it's just a beautiful what God does. So we'll see how that, that blood that was shed, because Jesus took the place now for us in this day and age, so we don't have to sacrifice an animal anymore. I'm going to tell you, if we had to sacrifice animals, all of us, for our sins, there wouldn't be an animal on the planet anymore, right? Praise God for Jesus, the lamb that was slain once and for all. So now we have him who took our place. The punishment that was due us was placed upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's the message for next week. But it's beautiful even inside this, how these people had their focus right yeah, we finished. It's completed, but it's not by us. It truly was by God's spirit that we were able to get here. So we're going to praise him and glorify him. So we see this sacrifice leads me back to just think about Romans 12, 1 and 2. What is your and I sacrifice back to God today? Yeah, we don't have to kill an animal. What's God what expect of us then? To be a living sacrifice, right? 
That's our expected act of worship today. Are you a living sacrifice to God? Jesus died for you. All he wants you to do is live for him. Are you living for him? That's your proper act of worship. Not just to come to church on Sunday, check off a box, I did it, that was my worship. No, that is not it. Are you a living sacrifice seven days a week, 24 hours a day for Jesus? That's what it is. You don't have to slay an animal, but you better die to yourself daily and put your life on the altar for Jesus Christ. That's it. A living sacrifice. I love if you read it in the ESV, if you go down to the end of verse 2, it says that there's a, a spiritual test, if you will. It says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. By testing. And students in the house just be like, oh, you got to bring up the word test. I got a few of those coming up. You know what I'm saying? But what does testing do? It tries to show somebody if you know the material. Right? That's what testing does. Spiritual testing tries to, to prove ourselves faithful to God, that, that we actually have learned and walk in obedience to what he's been trying to show us through his word. It's a spiritual test. Will God find you and I faithful? So many times, here's the beautiful thing. If we mess up, we've messed up in the past, maybe we mess up even in the future. Man, but with a repentant heart and, and heart that wants to get right with him, God wants to bring us back up and restore us. So you failed a test. That's okay. God's going to bring you another one. He's going to give you a chance, and you're going to learn from your mistakes and do it right next time through him. That's what God wants us to do, to be a living sacrifice, and it's going to test us. So what, is, what else does testing make you do? Testing makes you study. <laughs> testing makes you get in there and figure out so you know the material for the test. It makes you and I knowing that we're going to have spiritual tests in our life, that things aren't going to be easy. It should make us want to get in God's word, to hide, our, hide God's word in our hearts so we don't sin against him, so that we're ready. The Bible even says, when Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, have you examined yourself? It says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself, he said. Have you tested yourself? I mean, really, when you, you know yourself better than anybody else in the room, right? You should. Are you faithful? Are you in Christ? Or are you just in church? There's a difference. You can be in church, but not in Christ. Examine yourselves to see if you're really of the faith. Matthew 24, as I close this. Jesus' own words, he was talking with his disciples and he was talking some end time stuff, right? And there's a point in there where he says, because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What does that mean? Some are gonna quit. Some are gonna f not finish. Some that are praising and singing Hosanna on Sunday, by Friday will be saying crucify him and turning their back on him. The, because of the lawlessness in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. And Jesus says this, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Think about that. Did Jesus just say that this is now a works-based faith? Mm -mm. You mean I gotta just try hard and, and do and endure this and oh, this is tough, this is hard, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it, woo! Nope, what's it saying? Only those who make it to the end will be saved. Why? Because those are the ones who truly have the Spirit of God in them. Those are the ones who are truly in Christ and are not just in church. Does that make sense? The ones that are just in church and not in Christ will drop out. 
Paul even said that again. It says, man, it says they went away from us, but they didn't come back to us because they weren't from us. They weren't of us. They weren't in Christ. How discouraging to know that that would be the case and was the case for so many in Jerusalem that Palm Sunday when Jesus came in. But in their heart, they were praising him because they thought that he was just going to save them from the Roman Empire. They just wanted him as a genie in a bottle. Yeah, you're going to save us from these evil Roman people. Get rid of this junk, man. Woo, yo. And when they saw him going to the cross, getting arrested, they're like, come on, man, really? Yeah, crucify him. He ain't do nothing for me. Is that your heart? You're just looking to see what God can do for you and not what you can do for God? Ezra 6, 21 at the end of our passage that we'll have a little bit next week, I just want to touch on, because there's a verse right there that kind of brings this right here about finishing the light. Who are the ones that finished here? Verse 21 says, Then the children of Israel who had returned from, cap- from the captivity ate together. Okay, so they're here. They finished. These are the ones. With all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. That kind of backs up what Jesus just said, didn't it? The ones who are going to finish, the ones who are going to come in and eat with Christ one day in heaven, man, I'm telling you, are the ones who endure to the end, who finish, the ones who have what? Separated themselves from the world, who aren't living for the world and have tried to find and align their heart with God's word and surrendered and repented and turned toward him. And that's the one that get to eat. So have you separated yourself or are you trying to live in the world and have Jesus too? God's calling you to be different, to be set apart, not legalistically, not because of a bunch of rules and regulations. It's by trusting and surrendering and living for Christ. And then his promise is he wants to give you life to the full. He wants to give you everything that you've been looking for, that joy, peace, hope, power, purpose. That's in Christ. That's not in the things of this world. Only the ones who sat down to eat were the ones who separated themselves. And it brings me to the extreme closing passage of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And I'm going to read 6 through 10 for you. Because I want you to catch the context as we close. And I want you to focus on this. I want you to hear God's word. Here's Paul. He's coming to the end. He knows he's about to die for the faith. I want you to hear his heart. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all, somebody say all, all who have loved his appearing. Verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Verse 10, you ready? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Oh no. Guys, we have two people. We have Paul, stood for the face up until death, and he said, man, I know my time's come. I'm about to leave this place. But I've finished the race. I've fought the good fight. I've stood for the Lord. But just know this. There was one who started with me. He started well. But he didn't finish well. 
and his name was Demas. And he didn't finish. Why? Because he loved the world. So he didn't finish. There's going to be unfortunate people who don't have their life right, who started well, who started with enthusiasm. I'm sure Demas started with passion. When he started, he didn't plan on quitting. But he loved the things of the world too much and gave himself to them and not the Lord. And he didn't finish. Nobody in here wants to be a Demas. Can we finish? God's going to finish. God's going to prove himself faithful. God's going to prove himself strong on your behalf. Will you surrender your all as a living sacrifice to him today so that you can be tested and approved and you can finish the race like Paul did? Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing. If I could just finish the race and complete the job the Lord Jesus has given me. How about you? Do you consider your life worth more to yourself than to God? It'll show in what you do. Or do you consider your life only important to God? And then through him, he provides strength for the journey to finish the race so that you and I can complete the task that he's given us. Church, we're called to finish. We're called to finish. There's gonna be a lot of resistance. There's gonna be a lot of things that wanna try to stop us, but God's gonna provide a way. When we see the battle, he sees the victory. When all we see is a mountain, all he sees is a mountain moved. Will you surrender all and let him move that mountain today, right now in this place? Finish. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I know there's somebody else in here that needed that word today besides me. We're called to finish. It doesn't matter to look back and look what we've accomplished and how we started well. God wants us to finish well. It doesn't matter maybe in the past of how we've messed things up and not gotten it right. And maybe we're currently not getting it right. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't matter. What that means is you just come to the cross right now today. Provide yourself and surrender and repentance as a living sacrifice to God and he's going to do the work of getting your life right you don't have to clean your life up first to come to God just come to him he's in the business of championship comebacks will you let him make that in you today will you let him make that in your family will you let him make that in this community by being a part of this body and what he's doing surrender all today if you're in here today and you've never surrendered completely your life to Jesus and made him Lord would you do that right now why would you wait with everything you've just heard about how God wants to move even when times are hard and, and how he's he, he proves himself stronger behalf why would you wait why would you give your life to anything else surrender today right now if that's you I'm going to lead you through a prayer that I want you just to speak from your heart to God's heart but I want to make it very clear like I do every week it's not a magic prayer the prayer by itself does not save you 
It's where your heart is. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, but if for your heart that you believe in are justified, it's your mouth and confess and are saved. Where's your heart? Because you can mouth some words and if your heart's not right, it didn't mean anything. So are you ready to speak from your heart today to God? If that's the case, then I want you to do that and surrender your life to him right now today. Or if you're here today and you say, Brad, I, previously in my life, I've, I've lived for the Lord. I'd surrender my life to him, man. I, I had started off strong, man, but lately I've, I've, I've fell away. I've, I've walked away. And today I want to come running back to Jesus today. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life back to him, I want you to, to speak this same prayer to, from your heart to God's heart and mean business with him right now to receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life to him right now with God moving in this place to say, dear Lord, I surrender all right now. I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my savior. And I want to repent. That means I want to turn from my sin and give my life to you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, God in the flesh, And through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood, I can have forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for raising him three days later, proving that he is God. In all victory over hell, death, and the grave, he rose. And Lord, I need that same victory right now in my life. Lord, I need to rise from the depths of my grave right now. So Lord, my commitment... It's for the rest of my life that I'm going to live for you. Give me the strength to endure because, Lord, my desire is to finish. And you have all of me. Amen. If that's you and you prayed right now from your heart to God's heart, you meant business with him. You did that for the first time or you did that to rededicate your life to him today boldly and unashamed without worrying about anybody around you right now would you just raise your hand and say Brad I did that today I want you to pray for me pray for me pray for me I did it I've committed my life to Christ I rededicate I see your hands even if it's little T-Rex alligator arms going up if I don't see them God does it doesn't matter this is a stand for you in between you and him God's moving through his word amen it's amazing to to see the messages that he's brought and see what he does because he transforms hearts and lives has he transformed yours if so let's go live it this week let's take this message let's finish whatever it is the task that god's laid him in front of us because he's going to prove himself faithful and he's going to shine a light of christ through you as you do it that's making an impact for jesus so next sunday's easter right grab somebody grab a bunch of people two services 7 30 and 10 right here all right you can attend one you can attend both it'll be the same message if you want to hear it twice cool all right but y'all can come and just definitely bring some people invite some people to church no sunday in the history of the world gets more people in church than easter sunday so take advantage of it the people that usually won't come to church will come if you invite them next week so let's be faithful see y'all next sunday Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.